Old powers waken, shadows stir. An age of wonder and terror will soon be upon us. An age for gods and heroes. The glass candles are burning, and you're listening to the Obsidian Knights Podcast. Hello, my sweet summer children. Welcome back to the Obsidian Nights podcast, where we go through A Song of Ice and Fire and other books later, chapter by chapter, diving deep into the text and going over the foreshadowing and what's to come and just like having a conversation about our favorite thing ever. So if you want to join me for an episode of Obsidian Nights, you can contact my hand, my Discord moderator, at Nims Shadow on Twitter or on my Discord server, and she will schedule you for an episode of the Obsidian Nights. The Discord server link is in the description box. If you are listening to this on Apple, Spotify, Podbean, Google, please leave me a review and like let me know how I'm doing. Reviews really help your girl out, and it helps more people find the podcast. So in today's episode of Obsidian Nights, my special guest is Hannah the Conqueror. Excuse me. Hi, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> I was I'm so glad you could come. And would Thanks. you like to let the people know who you are and where they can find you? Yeah, guys, my name is Hannah. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at hsmiles. Uh, I hang out, I talk a lot of politics. So if you're not into that, <laughs> be wary. <laughs> um, and then A Song of Ice and Fire, those are pretty much the two things I talk about the most. Awesome. So let's just jump right into the chapter. So in the last chapter, um, I did John 3 with Rent Ware, and we were at the wall. It's snowy and cold and raggedy. John's miserable. And now we are 2,000 miles away, 2,000 miles south in King's Landing. And the south is like a very different place. It's a decadent lifestyle. The climate is different. The fashion is different. It's royal. And Ned Stark is just like a fish out of water. And, ju- and Ned is like just as miserable there as Jon Snow is at Castle Black. Yeah. Like Ned Stark arrives at the Red Keep. He's sore. He's tired. He's hungry. And he's irritable. He wants to eat like he wants to soak his old bones after that long ride to get there. He wants to sleep. But Grand Maester Pycelle has called a meeting of the small council. I and- love this part with, uh, when the steward comes in and, you know, asks for Ned's presence at his convenience. And it's clearly like the most inconvenient thing ever. Like I just rolled in from this thousands of miles journey. <laughs> right. Right. Like he doesn't even want to, like, he's kind of like, you know, it'll be convenient tomorrow. Right. (laughs) But he doesn't want to start off on the wrong foot with the small council. Like Ned's clothes haven't even arrived yet. Right. So he like has to borrow clothes before he can attend the meeting. And you know, the whole image of Ned Stark walking into that council meeting hungry, dead tired in borrowed clothes, why everyone else is like rested, 
full sitting and in a room like, relaxed talking about their like fashion too like they've all dressed pointedly for this meeting and he's like in borrowed steward's clothes right and they're like all surrounded by all this royal decadence and in he comes and it's yep. like so indicative of like ned stark's situation in king's landing it's so on the nose with like how he's always gonna be a step behind everyone and not really on par with the other players in the game of thrones like he's never on equal footing to them he's right. always like behind the curve like three steps ahead of him and he's just arrived yeah and they're kind of like assholes because they know he's tired they know they shouldn't be having this meeting now but they are like testing him in my opinion like they're seeing what they can and can't do and yeah. i would like i wish he would have just told him to fuck off <laughs> right to me that was like the biggest theme of this whole chapter is political tests like literally from the first paragraph he's tested and then, like, as soon as he walks into this meeting, it's test after test after test. Like, they're just poking at him. Yeah, they are. Like, the, it, it's kind of like, see what we can do with this hand. We knew what we could do with John Aaron. Now we have to see what we can do with Ned Stark. Right. So when Ned Stark comes in, we get, like, the introductions to the small council, which the small council are, in my opinion, the major players in the Game of Thrones. Renly, Varys, Grandmaster Pycelle and Littlefinger and they all um besides Renly kind of live pretty long lives as far as uh players in the Game of Thrones yeah. go. They live through several kings. I mean Varys and Pycelle have already served several kings each. Right and you know that kind of is a, a foreshadowing that they aren't good people because good people like Ned Stark they don't live long when right. you play in the Game of Thrones. If you're not they good at the Game of Thrones, you're going to die. Ned, Excuse like, goes in thinking, like, especially Pycelle, he has respect for him. He doesn't like Varys, but I wonder if that's more related to who Varys is uh, as far as being a eunuch. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Var not only was Varys, like, is it because he's a eunuch i also think it has a lot to do with ned maybe distrusting um that you know he used to work for Aerys targaryen right but so did pycelle yeah that's true and so did barristan yeah but like barristan and Pycelle are kind of like a little more understandable because they're sworn to their jobs. Like you're sworn to be Grandmaster and you're sworn to be a guard, but Master of Whispers is something different. And right. then like you're a spy. So like your whole character is kind of shady. Right. And, you know, yeah. I was thinking when he said, I don't trust Varys the most, I'm thinking, like, well, personally, like, you don't have a reason not to trust Varys. Right. Like, but you do have a reason not to trust Littlefinger. Right. But he, like, well, I mean, he doesn't trust Littlefinger. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Varys and Littlefinger's first thing they do, Varys brings up Joffrey on the King's Road, and then Littlefinger brings up Brandon and Catelyn. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> correct he doesn't trust them i mean and and he shouldn't he should trust anyone right. i mean i guess i guess he could trust renly because i feel like renly kind of has his brother's best interest at heart 
at a for a certain for a for a while for as long as they serve him yeah yeah um another thing i think i think there is a lot of symbolism in this chapter like george R. R. martin is really good about that especially with like the scenes that he paints like the king's chair being empty and ned having to deal with all of these snakes like behind the eight ball and everything that's kind of like the whole thing the king yeah. dies and ned has to figure everything out i was then- wondering too about the sphinxes uh in the uh, small, small council chamber mm-hmm. it like kind of really like oh, hung with tapestries from Norvos and co- cohort and lease and a pair of Valerian sphinxes flanked the door eyes of polished garnet smoldering and black marble faces do you think that's from house Targaryen like it's I'm assuming but I'm wondering like why a sphinx like instead of just a dragon like is it supposed to be kind of a dragon human maybe well um crow food's daughter amanda shout out to her she has this um very interesting theory about azor high and it has to do with sphinxes and um the dragon having three heads so i wonder if like the sphinxes were something that house targaryen enjoyed like were there sphinxes in valyria I wonder. Yeah, that's a really cool thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like is it, like that's the thing with these books. Every time, because I never thought about the sphinxes. You brought that up. Every time you reread something, reread a chapter, reread whatever, you find something new. Yeah, every this time. Most recent read through, I've been noticing sphinx- sphinxes more for mm-hmm. some reason. Like I never have before, other than the you know. Uh, Maester Aemon, the Sphinx is the riddle, not the Riddler. Like, that's the only thought about right. it I'd have, really. And then I've noticed they are wrinkled in everywhere, really. Yeah. And there's probably more to it because that's how George writes. <laughs> right. <laughs> so one thing I thought that I wanted to talk about when we talk about this chapter is that we learned that Stannis has left and went to Dragonstone. which I have serious beef with Stannis over that. Like, I know a lot of people in the fandom love Stannis, and I like him, but he knows his brother is in danger. Like, he he just disappears. Yeah, he just dips on him. And Robert hasn't been the best brother to Stannis. And he's even a worse king. But, like, at the same time, this is the man. Like, Stannis is the man that preaches about being just and doing your duty no matter the cost. Right. So, which is, like, really makes his self-righteousness later, like, really grinding about him being the rightful heir. But you were actually in a position to do something about this stuff, and you left. Yeah. You did not care (laughs) so it's kind of like come on man come on so that's what I was thinking like when I looked back at it like how can we forgive Stannis for leaving Robert out there to be slaughtered like that when he knew what was up like Stannis knew Stannis had been talking with John Aaron right I mean he was doing all of the research with John Aaron the investigation about the bastard so so is it just be is he that mad that like i agree robert should have gave stannis storm's end like i agree with that but like are you that mad that you're gonna let your brother die because he gave renly storm's end like because that's what i feel like yeah and he becomes just so emotionally short-sighted because of that like 
there is a bigger political game. He could have actually made himself a legitimate heir if he'd stuck around in King's Landing. Yeah. <laughs> and just waited for Ned to arrive because it's if, a whole new political circumstance with this new hand of the king. Right. If Stannis was there when Robert died, Stannis was who would who was gonna take the throne? Stannis right. would have had Stannis would have had Cersei and her children locked down. Well, like Renly has that plan, you know. Yeah. Like, let's take the kids. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, Stannis would, like, probably would have agreed with Ned, I feel like. No, we can't do that while Robert's still alive. But, like, literally as soon as Robert's dead. And he would have had people, like, posted outside of Robert's door to know the second he died. Yeah. He would have, um, like, like, say what you will about Stannis. Like, he would have, if he had been there, it, none, none, none of the story would have went down how it went down. <laughs> right. It still would have been, like, an interesting story, but... <laughs> it wouldn't have been the same. No. There would have been no Joffrey. No Joffrey's rule in King's Landing. Yeah. And a lot of Ned's, like... Like, a lot of the... He makes a lot of really stupid... Especially, like, this chapter just kills me. Because people, like I said, are testing him so constantly. And he, I guess, is just so thrown off that he doesn't know how to process any of it. Because he just makes the stupidest political mistakes with these people. Yeah, pretty obvious and he just doesn't grasp them at all (laughs) the problem with ned stark is that it's not necessarily like he he's the problem it's more of the people that he's dealing with are the problems because he has this strict moral code right and he projects that onto other people that don't have that shit right (laughs) they have no moral code i wonder if like if stannis had been around if because, like, him and Stannis have a, that more icy demeanor, you know? Yeah. I wonder if he could have re- related to him more. Hey, like, I know this isn't how you play the game, but everyone else is playing this game, so you have to kind of maneuver in it. I would have lived for Stannis and Ned Stark linking up. Right. Like, I think they would have really been friends. That would be a good fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> I would read it. <laughs> oh, I loved this quote um, by Littlefinger. Uh, It says, I should have thought that the heat ill suits you, Starks, Littlefinger said. Here in the South, they say you are all made of ice and melt when you ride below the neck. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, Littlefinger brings up Brandon immediately. Yeah. And that's literally how Ned's dad was killed. Like, by fire melted he was melted (laughs) and like like, to bring that up yeah to the hand of the king like ned should have been like like if it was tywin tywin would be like if you make a comment like that again i will have your tongue out or he would have just took it out like like he gets that like he doesn't like little finger but he doesn't seem to hit him that this is a pointed remark about his parents which I have a whole theory about Ned but <laughs> it's like a it I know it's not a book thing that little finger says um quick tempers slow minds but and, I yeah. do believe that is a stark thing like they aren't it's not that they aren't they don't joke they don't make jokes they don't like Ned says in his first chapter like it's so cold up here uh the laughter freezes in your throat so they don't make jokes they don't get quips they don't they don't like what they say what they mean and they mean what they say so when like this thing that little fit is like 
it's it's a quip <laughs> that Littlefinger's doing. It's sarcastic. It's a jab at him. He doesn't even get it. Right. I I wonder though. Okay, so I have this whole theory about Ned not actually being Ned. <laughs> um, Go off. Let me hear it. <laughs> <laughs> so it like started this little thought in my mind a while back. Uh, during a reread one of Bran's chapters whenever he's like on his journey north and uh, some of the mountain men talk about the Ned and at another point you hear Mance called the Mance and mm. how like this is more of a title for whoever is ruling not the person's actual name and Ned Stark would be the Stark of Winterfell so <laughs> uh, oh. a lot of so, so, like, whoever is ruler is the Ned right now, until whoever we know as the Ned is gone. Oh, that's interesting. But it's not actually Ned, it's the Ned that they say. So, it's, so it would be like Ned Stark really isn't Ned Stark, he's really just the Ned. Right. It's, so, that's where my thought, like, started with it, where this isn't maybe Ned. And here so, in this who, would chapter, he, who would he be? Well, I mean... I would think either Benjen or uh, Helen Reed, but... <laughs> Ooh, spicy. Yeah. Those are the only three. The whole Tower of Joy, like, memory that Ned has, fever dream memory thing that he has, like, he doesn't even remember Howland in it. He remembers it really weirdly. I don't know. <laughs> or, I mean, like, it's after. an interesting theory. Uh, but, like, also Ned has this weird thing where he... Like, Arya's character, change, she, like, portrays different characters throughout her story, and she, like, shifts into them as her personality. Like, she's still Arya, but, like, inside of Weasel or inside of Cat of the Canals or, you know, like, she's still there but in this other person. And Ned yeah. kind of does a similar thing uh, where he goes from being just Ned to being Lord Stark. Uh, Branna has, like, in the first Bran chapter, there's this quote where he says, he had taken off father's face, Bran thought, and donned the face of Lord Stark of Winterfell. And, like, Ned's oh. whole thought process. Like, sometimes he thinks of himself as Eddard Stark. Like, in this chapter, uh, like, it says, Eddard's, the first line, Eddard Stark rode through the towering bronze doors the red keep like that's from his point of view he's thinking of himself as Eddard Stark as the lord character but oh, then like that. other times he shifts back to thinking of himself as Ned so that could he be like a blood raven controlled character like I, I don't think that I think it's more along the lines of whatever happened at the tower of joy and the whole secret thing the most convenient way to keep that a secret would be to have because Ned had his own life too uh, he had his own love interests all that jazz wouldn't um, Robert wouldn't Robert recognize him no not if it was like a glamour or some sort of oh disguise like clearly whoever it is looks like Ned Stark well, that's interesting I haven't ever thought about that like I've never I've never, this is the first time I ever heard that theory. Like, I think that's one of the reasons we haven't seen Helen Reed. It also, like, 
the only person that thinks that, or uses the term son for John is Benjamin. <laughs> so, That's crazy. So right. basically, Benjamin and Ned could have swapped spots or right. Ned could have died at the Tower of Joy. Right. No, somebody would have had to swap spots with him. Exactly. So either Ned Stark is hanging out in the north, north of the wall as Benjamin or in the neck at Great Water Watch with his wife. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, Ned and Ashara. Ned and Ashara. I think Chloe would probably like that from Girls Going to <laughs> <laughs> So, um, it also goes with his whole, like, like, Ned grew up in the Erie with, like, other lords and lord sons. So he, like, was in a very political environment for all of his formative years. But mm-hmm. whoever this is in King's Landing is just so politically dense. Like, like they've never been around this sort of thing. But we know that Ned has. Yeah, it, it's kind of like, I was thinking, like, that, he's just been so far removed from it from for so long and there's like so many warning signs that he shouldn't go there and then when he's there like even sitting in that room with that council he's saying like he knows he shouldn't be here right but he's there but why does he stay (laughs) i don't know i don't know that's the million dollar question we have to ask george i think he stays because he thinks that that is what V Ned should do. That's what I think. <laughs> I like it. I like. I've never heard it before. I need some time to process it. <laughs> you dropped a bomb on me on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to talk about the reason the small council is conveyed is because Robert wants to host attorney to celebrate naming Ned Stark. Yeah. Hand of the king. <laughs> and Ned doesn't want that shit at all. Like Ned is like, damn him. He yeah, and he's mad that like it's in his name. Yeah, like that adds insult to it. Oh yeah, that was another thing uh, with him like switching in and out of like the Ned and like his just weird switching of uh, first person to third person point of view, like internally himself. Whenever he's like uh, talking, he's reading the command for the tournament and uh, says Ned broke the wax with his thumb and flattened the letter to consider the king's urgent command, reading the words with mounting disbelief. Was there no end to Robert's folly? And to do this in his name, that was salt in the wound. Like he's thinking about himself or thinking about something like this tournament's doing is in Ned's name, the hand's name, but he's, he thinks he's doing it in his name as if it's someone else mm, and spicy. his is like italicized in the book as well oh that's um that you need to like make an essay with all your evidence <laughs> and put it out there i'm working on report writing i haven't written a paper since high school so <laughs> oh you can do it you can I, do it i'm working on it <laughs> <laughs> you can do it so the tournament though they want uh, 40,000 golden dragons to the champion, 20,000 to the man who comes second, and another 20 to the winner of the melee, and 10,000 to the victor of the archery archery competition. So that's 90,000 gold pieces. And we find out that they broke. 
Yeah, well, that's I thought that was hilarious because Ned is like just mystified by this amount, ninety thousand. Like he thinks that's a ridiculous amount of money, and then Littlefinger nonchalantly just tells him that actually we're six million coins in debt. So <laughs> right, <laughs> and most of it is owed to the Lannisters, which right. I. It has to make sense to Ned at this point, like, okay, well, yeah, so we're in debt to the Lannisters, and that's why Robert is kissing the asses of these Lannisters. Right. Well, and then, but the funny thing about that is we found out later that the Lannisters themselves are completely broke. And no wonder. (laughs) So who is the kingdom really in debt to? Uh, Lord Tyrell, the Iron Bank. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we found out like when Eris left when Eris was king, the coffers were overflowing. So yeah. Robert got the throne with like tons of gold. It was a surplus. It, even after a war, it was overflowing. And Robert has drank and hoarded the realm to shit. I wonder who his, like, original master of coin was. Because, like, I bet Littlefinger uses capitalists, like, you know, he uses, uh, he borrows money for profit to use, like, profitable ventures and stuff like that, raises taxes, all that jazz. But, like, whoever was master of coin before, I wonder if they just, like, like, didn't work off the... uh, net present value of money theory I guess I don't know (laughs) I have no idea what they did but I kind of believe that like Eris wasn't spending money on like like late like I'm sure when he was younger but like later when he got went to madness he wasn't probably spending money on feasts and balls and tournaments and things like that that we know like he wasn't spending money on these extravagances Right. Because he was crazy. He was right. all his money was going to the alchemists and shit. Wildfire. <laughs> <laughs> Littlefinger is introducing capitalism to Westeros. Like that's what he has done since he's become uh master of coin. Yeah, so if you need right, another reason economy. to not like him, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so um, the Ned kind of reflects on the Arya Sansa situation a little bit about Sansa um, blaming Arya uh, yeah. about Lady's death, and Arya was is really upset about the butcher's boy Sansa crying herself to sleep, like, and Arya just like brooding all day. It amazes me how like different these two children's perspective on the world is like coming from the same family and like every star child really does have a completely different perspective than each other one Mm -hmm. like a lot of times you see the family members have a similar point of view like all the Lannisters you know have a very strong foundation and family power (laughs) yeah like I think it has a lot to do with uh being in like different circles i mean they're in the same circles they had the same teachers but sansa is the firstborn child right so she's and she's beautiful 
So she's raised from the instant that she's born to be a Lord's wife. Right. And it's like a very, like the Starks are starkly primogenitor. So her being firstborn or firstborn girl makes her more valuable of a uh, marriage. Yeah, definitely. Than Arya. Yeah. And then Arya is kind of like, she looks different than her siblings and she relates so much to John. And I just, I love that little wolf. I love Arya. You have like, also they, uh, like Sansa plays by what she's been told the roles are. And like her issue with Arya has always been about how Arya doesn't play by the rules, but like the rules work for Sansa Mm -hmm. and the rules don't work for Arya. Yeah. It's, it's like, um, Sansa is like really obedient right and and Arya just isn't right and Arya yeah Arya's just Arya but at the end of the day Sansa's obedience has kept her alive and Sansa and Arya's willfulness has kept her alive yeah but it is interesting that all of these children come from the same home and they're so different and they have so like not even just different but like their core values are kind of different <laughs> like what right. the, the things they say value and it, it's usually not like that like if you come from a, ho- a home like me I have two brothers and a sister I feel like all of our core values are the same like we're very different people but at our core we've been raised the same we've been taught the same things and we value right. the same things so like it is a, d- a drastic dynamic uh in the winterfell household like they have a very nebulous like value of family but even that's pretty degraded compared to a lot of the other families you know yeah i mean it is they're wolves they're like <laughs> cutthroat yeah so um one of the like I feel is the best part of the chapter is when Littlefinger takes Ned to see Catelyn. Mm. I love uh, how he like introduces it. He has like a like very good call out to uh, the cask of Amontillado. Ooh, but explain, I- explain. Oh, what is it? <laughs> like he comes upon Ned like after leaving the council meeting, and he says, or like this is not the way to my chambers as he's like Ned's following him. And he said, did I say it was, I'm leading you to the dungeons to slit your throat and seal your corpse up behind a wall. I'm Which telling like, you. And like, that's like what he does basically. That's what he does. And his like little fingers, sarcasm, little finger snarkiness is not to be taken as sarcasm, as a joke, as snarkiness. He means the shit that he right. says. It's so layered too. Cause like, He's not doing that in this moment, like where he brings it up. And oh no, not in the not moment. Like immediately, at least. That's his long-term goal, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna tell you my long con out front, and that way, by the time we get there, you don't remember it. <laughs> but everything about Littlefinger, like even when he's talking to Ned, like his his he's snarky, he's sarcastic, he's jokey. His eyes glitter with amusement. Yeah. Like, everything is, like, snaky. I, I picture Littlefinger constantly with, like, a Mona Lisa smile. Like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's crazy. 
he he in the other joke he told him he was like you are a hard man to fool stark little finger <laughs> said with a smirk like he's just like the whole time just like reading him yeah yeah like little finger does not let up with ned it's constant testing him poking at every source what he can find yeah um what this chapter like not a lot of like action happens yeah it's not so much happens in Mm -hmm. this chapter like ned arrives there's like this council meeting you hear about the uh hands turning uh and then like he has to go to this brothel to meet Catelyn and find out about all the deal with the Lannisters. Like, for him, so much happens. <laughs> I mean, it does. So, when we get to the... Well, first I want to say, a lot happens in the background. Like, it really, like, it's not action. It's, it's no, nothing big is going on, like you're saying. But, like, we're getting this setup of all these big players and people and all these plot points are starting and it's like when you look at it in hindsight there's so much going on in yeah. the background it's like and, this chapter is really where ned arrives on the game board and the game really begins yes and then ned gets pissed off at Littlefinger because he's like you brought me all this way to take me to a brothel and Littlefinger's like your wife is inside and he says Ned's like it was the final insult Brandon was too kind to you Ned Ned said as he slammed the small man back against the wall and shoved his dagger up under that little pointed chin beard (laughs) so (laughs) like Ned had had enough of his shit he's like you've been poking me this whole time, I literally just got here from thousands of miles of journeying and haven't slept, had this whole <laughs> meeting, got insulted by my king, and now you lead me to this brothel. <laughs> yes, yes. I love the way he writes, like, the scene, too, like, the setup for it. Like, them getting there? Yeah. And, like, and it being, see, like, a maze? Yeah, you, like, you see Ned's, like, looking around, and he's, like, what's happening, just, like, taking in all the details, and then finally, the one detail that really sets with him is that red lamp, <laughs> and he's just like, oh, <laughs> hell no. <laughs> Ned Stark is not a man to visit brothels. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Catelyn is inside waiting for, uh, Ned. Ned comes in, um, Let's see. <laughs> what does he say? What does Littlefinger say to him? Uh, perhaps you could fondle a breast or two just in passing. <laughs> <laughs> Littlefinger is an asshole. I like, like, I don't like Littlefinger, but his character, like, is funny. Like, Tyrion. He's definitely, like, someone I would want at parties, you know? Yeah, like, he's fun at parties. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um... So basically, Catelyn comes there and fills Ned in on all of the details. Yeah, Um, and it gets it gets framed like her, like her telling Ned about the story. Like she wants to give him the information, but everything has been framed already by Littlefinger. So the (laughs) way he's going to be receptive to it would be different if she had like actually gotten there and been able to tell him about it first. Yes. Yes. Um, 
one thing when they're te- when Catelyn is telling Ned, one thing that really stuck out to me is when after Catelyn tells him the stories, Ned says, "What was it that John had said when they found the pups in the snow? Your children were meant to have these pups, my lord, and he had killed Sansa's, and for what?" Was it guilt he was feeling or fear? If the gods had sent these wolves, what folly had he done? And I totally believe that the gods, well, I believe someone sent the wolves to the Starks. Was yeah. it Blood Raven? Was it the Children of the Forest? I definitely think someone sent them. They're, they're, it's too on the nose for it to be like just a coincidence. Right. Especially. And- John and Ghost parallels. Yeah, the John and Ghost parallel. <laughs> even even the Arya and Nymeria one. Yeah. Like it's it's just too on the nose and everything that like so far that we've read about Bran from Bran one, two, and three, Summer is totally like his spiritual guide. Mm-hmm. And I think Ned is regretting what happened at the Trident. And it and Sansa winds up having it really bad yeah yeah she has it really bad in king's landing this is like his own personal foreshadowing that he has kind of screwed over his daughter yeah Yeah. it really is there's a lot of interest but basically what they need is proof that to take to robert they need to find some proof and ned is like you know we have proof and littlefinger's like this dagger, like, this isn't proof. It's just, uh, it cuts both yeah. ways. Yeah. So I, I don't, I don't know. Like, I think it's stupid. Like, to me, I would have just went to Robert, said, I mean, when you left my house, somebody tried to kill my son with this knife. Yeah. And that's what I meant about, like, Littlefinger framing the situation. Because I feel like that would have been, like, that was Ned's reaction. Like, that's what he wanted to go do is, hey, yeah and and you know (laughs) another thing that kind of pissed me off was like that Catelyn Stark had went and um told Littlefinger about John Aaron what Ned suspected about John Aaron's death I was like bitch why did you tell him that (laughs) because I feel like she has more reason not to trust Littlefinger than Ned like sure you grew up with him you remember him as a child when y'all grew up in River Run together but the last time you saw him your fiance almost killed him and then he wrote you a letter you didn't respond to it you haven't talked to him since then like he's went around the realm saying he slept with you well she doesn't know that yet but (laughs) yeah she doesn't know that yet (laughs) <laughs> but I just don't see why she has no caution towards a little bit. I mean, she does, but then again, she doesn't. And well, she, she does gives... until she sees him. And then, like, I think the emotional connection just right. kind of overtakes her logic. Like, like, I, I guess because she is, like, smart enough to tell Ned, like, Robert's not the same man that you grew up with. And I'm like, bitch, neither right. is Littlefinger. <laughs> like, neither is Peter Baelish. Like, what are you doing? And even that kid was <laughs> kind of sly and shady. So why do you think this man you haven't talked to in forever is any better? <laughs> Let me see. What was, where should we go next? I'm trying to think. Oh, uh, whenever, like, 
Kat is about to tell Ned, like, you know, she's talking to him about how she arrived in King's Landing, and she mentions that uh, Varys has some sort of dark art, like, knowing how things happen, Mm -hmm. and just, like, to her surveillance seems to be dark arts which i think is really cool yeah i mean like to everyone they look at varus as like he knows magic or some shit Mm -hmm. because and and that's kind of like how it was back in the day like women were called witches because they knew something about herbs or because they could you know like it it it's I feel like it's it fits that time era, that medieval time where if you just knew a little bit more than someone else, you you're a wizard or some shit. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it, then, like, you also have these layers where, like, Varys actually hates magic, but there are types of magic like what he does. Yeah, like glamours and things like that. Right. And like, also spying because yeah. the children use uh, their green their trees to spy on people right um oh yeah so basically ned is kind of like preparing for war sort of like he feels like there's gonna be a war Mm -hmm. um and catelyn it's kind of scary to catelyn um but ned's like it, it, it might not come to that and i don't know he gives her, like, all these very specific constructions. Yeah. Which, like, then she l- does not ever apparently, like, transmit to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Especially, like, the Theon part stuck out. Oh, yeah, the Theon <laughs> about, I'm like, we, we'll need his father's fleet. <laughs> from this day. <laughs> like, instruct Lord Manderly to strengthen and repair all his defenses at White Harbor. And, yeah, right. Theon Greyjoy, <laughs> we're going to need his father's fleet. Which, like, Lord Manderly does strengthen his defenses at White Harbor. Just on his own, though. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, basically, they left, uh, well, the chapter ends off, and it's like, um, if I find proof that the Lannister murdered John Aaron, he felt Catelyn tremble in his arms. Her scarred hands clung to him. If, she said, what then, my love? That was the most dangerous part, Ned knew. All justice flows from the king, he told her. When I know the truth, I must go to Robert and pray that he is the man I think he is. He finished silently, and not the man I fear he has become. And Robert is not the man that Ned thinks he is. No, not at all. I think that's really interesting that Ned frames it that way too. Like the man that I think he is, not the man that I once knew right and he has this fear that that robert is someone else now and and his fear is more accurate because robert robert is someone else now like a lot of robert's interaction like in chapters with people is so sad like he's so miserable he doesn't want to be king and i know a lot of people like they hate on Robert and they really uplift Rhaegar Targaryen as like this hero or whatever. And I really feel like Robert gets a raw deal because Robert, whether it was like toxic masculinity or whatever it was, Robert really liked Liana. Yeah. And 
she was taken away from him and it was kind of petty that he just like started this whole war <laughs> but he didn't really start the war because of that like there's a whole right. sequence of events that happened well, and you gotta think like john aaron was probably the driving force behind starting that war. yes yeah <laughs> and he was the driving force and, like, and those are the big players and it was it was like Ares killed lord stark lord rickon stark and brandon stark right so there's like that whole thing too and robert is kind of just like this guy that wants to drink and fight and fuck and then they want to make him king right that's like <laughs> basically john aaron doesn't like Ares, <laughs> or like the a lot of the high lords don't like Ares. they want them out they conspire and use these two wards in this bad situation to like yeah. get them off the throne but then they basically push robert into it i mean i think he would have been happy being like a general for the king or something like that yeah 100 percent. i agree and i feel like he gets a raw deal like no like people like i like his story i like robert and i feel so bad for him when i read his chapters and like he just wants to run away and he just hates his life like i i understand why if you feel that way about your life that you don't care about your kingdom that you don't care about anything that you that stuff i'm just like it would be better for you and everyone right (laughs) i but i totally get it like i would be the same way like okay Let's just whore around and get drunk or whatever. I don't care about anything because it's like, he doesn't have a choice. He doesn't have a say. And like, I mean, imagine he's in this relationship where his wife hates him and he hates her. She's had like- he could change things. He is the king, but he doesn't have enough like knowledge of what it really means to be the king. Right. He hasn't been raised to be a king. He's so. like the, he's like what happens like if a drug lord becomes a yeah. president or something. Like, exactly. you know what I mean? He's like, he has no clue. Exactly. No clue. And I think Renly kind of like said it to Ned in the show. And I really like that when he was like, um, Ned was like, I'm gonna like Stannis is the heir. And he was like, Robert was a, like, Stannis is a proven warrior. He was like, Robert was a proven warrior. Do you still think proven warriors make good kings? Right. Like, mm-hmm. there's a difference between being a warrior and winning a battle than actually ruling. Ruling, yeah. And the only reason Robert has lasted so long is because of John Aaron. Yeah. Who got taken out? <laughs> <laughs> Who got taken out because of Robert's foolishness? Yeah. Well, I mean, is that why? Well, I think it's because, like, I think it was because, because he was onto it. The one that actually killed him, or Littlefinger and Lysa. Yeah, I think it was because he was onto it, onto Cersei. Yeah. Well, I guess because he was gonna send uh, their son to. And that, so. yeah. Yeah, and they weren't having that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, that is Eddard 4. Do you have any um, things that we missed that you want to add? Oh, that I, f- I found the uh, thing I was talking about foreshadowing with Sansa. Uh, Littlefinger actually warns Ned and, like, or warns Catelyn uh, that she can't go talk to the girls. And he says... Uh, that children talk you can't do that and Ned agrees with him there but then later mm-hmm. 
tells them all of his plans to get rid of them. <laughs> right. And then you know what happens after that? You don't get Shut out up. of <laughs> You don't get out of King's Landing. <laughs> But yes, so that's Edward for I love this chapter only because like I love every chapter, but <laughs> I love this chapter mainly because of Littlefinger. I feel like Littlefinger is kind of the star of this chapter. Yeah. He really yeah, stands out. His humor really stands out. His sarcasm really stands out. And his political prowess really stands out. I feel like this is one of the most Littlefinger heavy chapters you get too until like Deep and Dance. Yeah. Or uh, uh, maybe, maybe like a couple of scenes with Tyrion, but yeah, and like I don't know, yeah, I mean, because most of the like this, I really love the Elaine chapters, yeah, <laughs> and I feel like I love how Sansa is like coming in. Like everybody knows, I'm not a huge Sansa fan, but when we get to when she gets in the veil, she really starts to bloom. Yeah. Well, she's finally realized that the rules don't really work for her either, so. <laughs> yeah, she's changing up the game. Yeah. And I feel sorry for Littlefinger. He's gonna he's gonna away, I think, but. He's gonna, uh, he's gonna be the one that has to pay the most because she's waking up. <laughs> yep, his, his long game's not gonna work out for him. <laughs> but I want to thank you for coming on. Would you let, like to let the people know where they can find you again? Yes, find me on Twitter. It's at hsmiles. All right. Um, I want to thank you guys for listening, and I will see you next week.